Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Wednesday, July the 22nd of 2020. We are always, we always considered it an honor, consider it an honor for you to be with us, uh, to have you join us, to take out of your time, and we are so grateful for our listeners. We are so grateful for the support that you give us, not just by listening, but by your with your faith. And uh, we know that a lot of you pray for us as we do the same for you. And so we're excited about the Word of God. We have been uh, in the last, I think, I believe this is going to be now our sixth, our sixth podcast on this series on the day that Jesus rose from the dead and all the events that took place in one day. And we have been anticipating and we have been seeing the things that uh, uh, that we have been learning, that I believe that perhaps most of us have never considered, but as we look into the scriptures, it's there, amen? And God has given us an understanding of the great price that he paid for us at Calvary's cross, amen? So we are happy to be with you and happy to be today here with the panel. Uh, today we are joined by Brother Marty, uh, Brother Fernando, and Brother Jeremiah. We are so glad uh, to be together, and as always, a privilege to be able to study the Word of God together. So, Brother Marty, as we go into our study today, uh, we leave it to you to share what God has placed in your heart as we study the Word of God together. Amen. As those of you who have been with us, you know we, like Brother Jeremy just did, we're, we're coming to our sixth podcast, sixth session on the uh, the resurrection of the Lord from the dead. And as we've been discovering, uh, it was quite a day filled with an incredible amount of of activity, of appearances, of all kinds of things that began to affect different people's lives. And we've been looking at those things. And, uh, and, and like Brother Jeremy said, we've been seeing some pretty amazing things that happened on this resurrection day. And like we talked about before, you know, many times uh, we don't even talk about the resurrection until Easter. You know, and 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 then usually it's just about how he died on the cross. The stone's been rolled away. Everybody shouts, and then we all go eat turkey dinner or whatever. But so we really don't. So we don't really. I haven't really heard anyone really explore these things. Although I know I'm sure they have over the years. But um, but as for us, we've been seeing some pretty amazing things. And uh, and today uh, we're going to to uh, to get further into this day. Uh, Yesterday we we spoke of of what the Lord told Mary uh, when when Mary uh, <clears throat> went back to the garden and we know that because as we've been des- describing over the last several podcasts and we encourage you to go back and listen to all these parts because I think it'll it'll greatly bless you but <clears throat> it started the day began early early in the morning where the Bible tells us that a group of women that included uh, Joanna and several others including Mary of Magdala went to the tomb. Uh, seeking uh, to to anoint the Lord's body because they hadn't had time to do that uh, the the day he was crucified. Uh, it was it was a high holy Sabbath day. It was it was the Passover day, and he was uh, he had to be buried before the sun went down, which uh, which they did indeed. But all they could do at the time was uh, with Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus was wrap his his body in in the linen shroud and and uh, put the, the, the covering around his head and lay him in the tomb. And they needed to wait until the Sabbath, 
the next day was over and then the third day they would come and uh, and anoint his body with 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 spices and and anointing oil and so forth and so on so early in the morning they all came and when they showed up as we 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 saw that what they discovered was the stone had been rolled away and they they looked in the tomb and they saw that there was nobody there and from that we know that the gospel says that they left and they they immediately went uh to the house where the disciples were gathered more than likely it was the house of of, of John the the apostle John's house that he had in Jerusalem where they were all gathered and basically hiding for fear uh because of what had transpired in Jerusalem and in John's gospel like we've been looking he draws our attention uh, to Mary, um, and 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 there were reasons why, which we've discussed at length. But 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 when Mary goes and and the other women went to tell them what had happened, we have another account that says once Peter and John heard that that they left and they went running to the tomb uh, to see if these things were true, what the women were telling them, and and when they got there, uh, we, we find that that Peter. Uh, entered the tomb first and indeed he saw that uh, the linen clothes were were still there and the and the napkin that covered his head was laid over neatly folded in another section and he left the bible tells us um wandering through the streets basically and and yet we're also given the additional information that john when he looked in the tomb he he left believing he may not have understood everything but he knew the lord was risen and how that was going to play out uh, is what we've been exploring the rest of the day so john went back to his house and we're not exactly told where peter went but we know that it was early in the morning and at that time mary magdalene it appears came back by herself the other women didn't come uh it was just mary and she went again to look into the tomb and there she saw two angels one sitting at the head of where Jesus had laid and, and one sitting at the feet uh, where they had laid him on, on a stone slab, if you will. And that's where the angels were. And they asked her, why are you crying? And, and she told them she was looking for the Lord and please tell him where his body was. And, uh, and as she backed out of the tomb, she heard, uh, she asked the, uh, this person who she didn't know was Jesus at the time, where have you laid him? She thought he was the gardener. That's what it says. And uh, and then he spoke her name. He said, Mary. And then the Bible tells us there in in uh, in the Gospel of St. John, chapter 20, that, that when she heard his voice, she knew it was the Lord. And and she turned and, and, and tried to, to hug him, to lay hold on, on him and, and just grab a hold of him. She went from being unbelievably depressed and sad and brokenhearted to incredibly um, filled with joy and gratitude and and he told her do not touch me for i have not yet ascended to my father and we we talked about that and explored at length those the, that that word because you know most people think that when jesus died that he immediately went up to heaven but but he didn't and we explored what he did and how he went into the lower parts of the earth which is what he said he would do and that there peter tells us in first peter chapter 3 17 through 19 that the first thing he did when he went into the interior part of the earth was he went and preached to the spirits that were imprisoned in Hades in hell and and these were the spirits both of the fallen angels and and men 
who had rebelled uh, just before the flood uh, of Noah, and there he brought indictment against them. For they were disobedient, and neither did they take the opportunity, that is, the spirits of men, to repent while Noah was preparing the ark. That's one thing Peter said he did in those three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He had not yet ascended to heaven. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 6, we saw that he also went to the other side, which is what we called Abraham's bosom, or what the Bible calls Abraham's bosom, which is paradise, which is where the departed souls and spirits of those who had believed in the coming of the Messiah from Father Abraham on, that that's where they would go. Because the way or the access into heaven had not been opened. A price had to be paid. A redemption of all things, which is what Christ came to do and which he accomplished on the cross. And so the Bible tells us from there that they prepared to lead captivity captive. We we discussed that in Psalm, I think it was, what was Psalm was that, brother? Do you remember? 68, I think, 68. And uh, where, where it's, it's said that the chariots of God, the angels, and the Lord among them would come and pick up the captive captive spirits yes. of the days gone by, right? And and they would he would lead captivity captive. But before he led captivity captive into heaven, he appears to Mary in the garden. She recognizes him by his voice. And and he says, I have not yet ascended, but he sent her to go preach the gospel. He sent her to, to, to all the disciples that were gathered at John's house and other people that were there uh, to go tell them that she had seen the resurrected Lord and that he had a message for them. I ascend to my father. And so that's where we were yesterday. We talked about what happened when he ascended. He led captivity captive. He led the saints of old along with a great procession of angels, as the Bible reveals to us. And also in Psalm 24, we explored that, <clears throat> where it, it, it gives us a, a really cool insight as to what was taking place as Jesus was ascending into heaven into all the different, um, you know, uh, dimensions, if you will, for lack of a better word, where where there are real principalities, powers, dominions, and all kinds of created territories, really, all the way up to heaven itself, and what he did when he got there, when he ascended into heaven. He went into the very throne room of God with an exclusive meeting between him and the creator, between him and his father. And as we looked at yesterday in in, uh, in Hebrews chapter nine, what the Bible says there is that he appeared once in the at the end of the world or the end of the age to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And when he appeared before the Father in the in the holiest of all in the very throne room of God, the Bible reveals to us there that he he had a discourse with his Father. They had a conversation, and and we can only imagine. But really, in the Jewish mind. What it what it's basically revealing is that Jesus was presenting himself as the great high priest of all humanity. And he stood there as a man and presented himself to his father. His father accepted his sacrifice. And suddenly the way into the holiest of all was now opened. The opening of the Holy of Holies or the opening of access to the throne of God was purchased by the very son of the living God. All of this occurring <laughs> on the very first day of the resurrection. And and so the gates were thrown open. And we rejoiced in that yesterday as we thought about it because 
that's that's why when the apostle paul gave his hints of what happens when a person dies right he says to be absent from the body is to be instantly in the presence of the lord well that wasn't possible until jesus paid the price on calvary and so you can hear the the rejoicing in paul's paul's words when he says that jesus our great high priest emerged from the holy of holies in heaven and the bible says unto those that love his appearing he will appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And that's what happened. He came out of the Holy of Holies. And we know by the scripture, which is what we're about to look at right now, is that there was still some unfinished business on the first day. And and so the Lord apparently, and we know it's true because the gospel tells us, he left heaven and he returned to the earth. And it's late in the afternoon now. All those other things that we just talked about, is uh, have already transpired he's already ascended and now he appears again having paved the way and opened the door into the holiest of all having dropped off the saints of old he now returns to the earth because he has some unfinished unfinished business and that's where we pick it up today and brother jeremy i'd like you to if you could read us uh in the gospel of saint luke chapter 24 because these these are the next people that he chooses to appear to after he rose from the dead. Mary was first, and now we come to these two. Could you read that for us, brother? Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 18. 13 to 18. In Jesus' okay. name. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus. Emmaus. Yes. <laughs> Which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. What verse am I reading to, Brother Marty? All the way to 18. 18, okay. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with him. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one, and the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? In verse 19, Jesus says to them, what things? <laughs> what things are you talking about? It's pretty cool what he says, as if he didn't know, right? What things? So anyway, um, so here we are. He has ascended into heaven and now he returns. And it's really, really amazing uh, when we begin to dig into this, because we want to ask the question, what is it? Uh, and why is it that, that he did things the way that he did? Nothing in the scripture is there by happenstance or anything that occurs uh, does not occur outside the control of God for the purposes of God. And so we ask the question, remember, this is the second two people that he appears to after his resurrection. The first one he appears to is Mary in the garden. The second one he appears to are these two walking on the road. And 
and we know that it's the same day because it tells us that in verse 13, right, brother? It says, and behold, two of them went the same day. So this is the yeah. same day, right? And we know that he's already ascended because that's what he told Mary he was getting ready to do. I ascend, go tell my brothers. So by the time she goes to tell the disciples that he, he told them that he was ascending, now we come to late in the afternoon here and and he's back <laughs> and uh, and and it's the same day so it's quite a day we've been talking about here and the bible tells us that there's two of them and that jesus draws near to them but i want to look at something really interesting here uh so that we can we can really learn and see what it is by the grace of the holy spirit that god is revealing to us first of all in in verse 13 we see how many of them are walking right there's two of them, as it says. And behold, two of them, verse 13, Luke 24, 13, the same day they were headed to the village called Emmaus, which is about, some some say three and a half miles, some say about seven miles from Jerusalem. Either way, it wouldn't take that long to get there, but they set off. And And then something interesting is revealed in verse 18. Can you read verse 18 again, brother? Yes. And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, Are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? So what we see here is there's something interesting. Our attention is drawn to the name uh, Cleopas, right? Cleopas. So we're told that that's who begins to talk with the Lord. But there's two of them. And so we want to ask the question, if we can, um, who's the other person? And 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 I believe that, and, and we will see here that the Bible reveals who this other person was, more than likely. And, and so let's take a look at that, because it's important uh, to remember who these people are and why. And we'll see later, as we get into the, to the balance of this teaching today, um, you know, when... I mean, who it is that that he's talking to here, brother Jeremy? Could you turn over to uh, to John chapter nineteen? Let's find out who this other person is. More than likely, I have a suspicion. <laughs> you have a suspicion? <laughs> yes. What is it? Uh, you want me to tell you? Well, you can read it oh. to me, then you can tell me. <laughs> okay, chapter nineteen. Yes. In verse 25. 25. It says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. Yes. So what do we see here? What, there's a clue here that John is leaving us and the, and the Holy Spirit is leaving us here. We know that what's revealed in verse 25 of chapter 19 is at the cross when Jesus was dying, there was gathered Jesus uh, at the cross of Jesus, his mother, right? Mm -hmm. And his mother's sister. And then Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. So what we know by this is that Cleophas had a wife and her name was Mary. Now, this isn't Mary's 
sister Mary. I mean, how dumb would that be, right? You have two girls, you name them Mary. Unless you're George Foreman, you don't name your children the same thing, right? <laughs> it, says, yeah. it says Jesus, Jesus, his mother, we know her name is Mary, and his mother's sister, so she has, she's unnamed here. Then there's Mary, the wife of Cleophas. So she's different. She's not Mary, not Jesus' aunt. She's she's Cleophas' wife. And then there's Mary Magdalene. So all of them were oh. at the cross. So when we go back over here now, and there's two of them going to the village in Emmaus, which is more than likely where they live. It's after the Passover. It's the third day. And and they're leaving now. A lot has taken place. And 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 we get an idea of who who these two are. Because God is talking or the Lord who is the Lord God is talking, Jesus is talking to Cleophas. We know in verse thirteen that there's two of them. So more than likely and, and from everything that I've been looking at and digging up and stuff, this is who it was. It was Cleophas and his wife. And they were on their way back to where they lived more than likely, which was in Emmaus. And and they were leaving Jerusalem. And and this is important, and we're going to see why it's important at the end of this study. It, it's very important as we go along, and we'll see what it was and why it was that the Lord chose to come alongside them and walk with them. What's interesting is is is, is notice how he approaches them. They're talking together of all these things. And I want you to understand something very important and keep these things in the back of your mind because there's a there's a tremendous thing that's happening here it's an absolutely tremendous thing that's happening here and 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 we're going to see that one we we understand from verse 13 that they have left Jerusalem right can you read that again brother yes Luke? and behold two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. Correct. So when they leave, they leave the city proper, uh, which is where John's uh, house was and where everybody was hanging out. And and they leave. And it's late in the afternoon. So there's several things that we know just by what we've been studying. That it's late in the afternoon. Would you read verse uh, 29, brother, so we can confirm what time it is? Yes. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. So by the time they left and they took this journey of about three and a half miles, maybe seven miles, you know, by the time they get near to the house in verse 29, where the time is identified. So however long a brisk walk would take you to walk, you know, maybe an hour at the most to walk that distance. If it's three miles, it'd be less, maybe half an hour. So somewhere between 30 minutes and 60 minutes on this walk, uh, we, we, we have the time identified to, to us. And it's important because it's in the evening, it's in the, it's in the afternoon, and, and they've left Jerusalem, and they're on their way here. And as they go in verse 14, they're talking to each other about all the things that have happened. And what's interesting is that at that moment in verse 13, it says, I mean, in verse 15, it says, it came to pass that while they were talking with each other and reasoning that Jesus comes alongside, he draws near and he begins walking with them. 
And verse 16 says something very interesting. It says, their eyes were held back that they should not know him. And then what he begins to do is ask them questions. Verse 17, what manner of communications are these that you are having one to another as you're walking? And why are you sad? And that's when Cleophas begins to talk to the Lord. And what's interesting is he's, he basically is, is almost in a mocking way. Where have you been? What are you, some stranger in Jerusalem? Right? And don't you know what's happened here? And and what's really profound, just on a, on a side note, if we think about it, think about these two, Mary and Cleophas, as they're walking, because that, that's who they were. It was Mary and Cleophas, husband and wife. They've left Jerusalem. They have spent the most tumultuous week that you can possibly imagine, as we've explored over the last several months, really, what occurred during this Passover, because that's when the Lord was crucified. They couldn't have gone the day before because you're not allowed to walk on the Sabbath, and Jesus, by the way, was still in the tube, and it wasn't until early the third day that he rose from the dead. So they weren't allowed to walk on the Sabbath day, and so the Sabbath is over. They're still traumatized, and we know that by what they're about to tell the Lord what they're about to explain to him. And you know how we are as, as, as the people who love the Lord and have preached there once in a while here and there. You begin to dig into to, to some of the more dramatics in order to set the scene of what's happening here. We know that the Lord seven days earlier had entered Jerusalem in a triumphant procession. People laying palm branches down in the road, heralding him as the Messiah. He went into the temple, and we know he, he cleansed the temple, upturning all the tables and, and driving all the money changers out of the house of God. And then he sat for a few days and taught the people in Jerusalem until he was finally rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the powerful ruling establishment in the religious houses of the temple, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin. And then he goes away. And and uh, and leaves the temple, telling them that they will not see him there again, until they cry, "Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord." And we've been over the Passover night, where they celebrated the Passover, the feast, and and that night he was betrayed by Judas. Many of those people that were in the upper room uh, were in the room uh, that that they would soon go to, where the disciples had been gathered, where Mary came and told them that the stone had been rolled away. It's quite, you know, it's quite possible that, that many of these people were in the upper room at the Last Supper. Our attention's drawn to the to the Twelve, because they're the fathers of the church, minus Judas. And so we have the background story on that. But it was a heavy-duty night, you know, wherein, wherein the Lord would be betrayed. Peter would deny that he even knew the Lord three times. Uh, in the garden, when they came to arrest him, all of them scattered and they seem to have made their way to John's house in Jerusalem where they would shut the doors and hide themselves for the next three days and three nights. And then it's this early in the morning, we also know as we were studying that there was a great earthquake on resurrection morning, which probably startled those that were asleep, those that weren't asleep. I mean, it was, a, it was an earthquake that, sh that shook the whole of the city. The Bible tells us that two angelic beings came down and, <laughs> and rolled the stone away. 
There's incredible things taking place. We know that the very appearance of the angelic beings that came from heaven to to roll the stone away, that the very presence of, 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 of the heavenly coming into the earth around the garden tomb caused all the soldiers that were guarding the tomb that had been placed there by Pilate at the request of the of the Pharisees, they they literally fell down as dead. Everything, I mean, they they fell down as dead. It's like their life force was taken out of them. They were knocked out. We know from other scriptures that they woke up. Uh, it's possible that that the women hadn't arrived yet because it's not mentioned that they had to step over soldiers or anything, right? But so, but we, what we do know from the other accounts is that they went and told these are Roman soldiers. Now they went and talked to the Pharisees. And told them what had happened. And so we know the background story on that side of the city is going on where the Pharisees covenanted with them, right, and offered them money and said, look, if Pilate says anything about anything, he's, they said, we'll step up and, and we got your back to put it in English. <laughs> so we got all this stuff going on, man, early in the morning, right? And then, uh, and then, and then, like we already talked about at length, uh, it, it's these, these people were all in the house together. And, and it's early in the morning. So all of this stuff is happening. And we know because of what he's about to go on and tell the Lord in verse uh, in verse 24. Can you read verse 24, Brother Jeremy? Actually, in verse 23 yes. and 24, kind of jumping ahead a little right. bit, but, but just, to, just to throw it in there. Yes. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Yeah, and verse 22 says, Yea, and certain of the women also of our company, they made us astonished, which were early at the sepulchre. So they're basically rehearsing with the Lord as they're walking on, you know, uh, along this road with him. And they're telling him, the whole, they're rehearsing the whole day before it. And they said, man, the women came, and then, you know, those that were with us, they were speaking to Peter and John. They went to go see if it was true what the women had said. The women told us they had a vision of angels. So they're rehearsing this story as they're walking late in the afternoon. What's interesting to me in verse 19 is is when he asks him in verse 18, are you a stranger? Don't you know what was going on here? The, the scene, you know, uh, the heaviness of what took place that whole week just just three days before, as the Jews reckoned days, you know, as we read in John nineteen twenty five, Mary Cleophas's wife was there with Mary Magdalene, Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus's sister, and 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 Mary, um, the Virgin Mary, you know, uh, Jesus's mother. They were all at the cross. So Cleophas, Cleophas had an interesting insight when he heard, you know, the instruction of his wife who was present at the crucifixion. And that's what they're talking about as they're walking on the road. I can't imagine the the sadness, you know, the the heaviness in the air. It, it, it was such an uh, 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 you know a momentous, dramatic thing that it had occurred that when Cleophas is talking to Jesus in ver verse eighteen, he literally says again in verse eighteen. Read verse eighteen again, would you, brother? Sorry to keep making you read so much. <laughs> No, no worries. And okay. the one of them whose name was Cleopas, or Cleopas, 
answering said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? Yeah, so he was astonished that this person who joined, who was Jesus, of course he didn't know him yet, uh, he he said, even this gives us an idea of just how momentous what happened that led to the crucifixion. The entire city knew. And remember, by this is Passover weekend, so there was there was quite easily a hundred, two hundred thousand people there, because it was one of the required feasts that the families and anyone who could from all over the world, wherever the Jews were, they would make their way to Jerusalem. There were thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, quite likely, according to some accounts, that were there the, the, that whole Passover week. And so for Jesus. Uh, to, uh, as he was so publicly executed, you remember the Romans came and there, there's that big meeting at, at, at the governor's house, Pontius Pilate's house in Jerusalem. You know, you have the Fort of Antonia that's right next to the temple that, that has quite possibly, some say, up to 10,000 soldiers. They're trying to patrol the city. They're trying to keep things quiet. And then you have this massive trial, this whipping and beating, not of just another criminal, but of somebody who for the last three and a half years had literally turned the world upside down, shaking Israel from the north to the south to the east to the west, being heralded as the Messiah, the, the king, the, the son of David. And now he's publicly executed in the most ferocious and horrible way, disillusioning everyone who had, who had followed him and come to believe in him. And, 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 the, and the sin of it, brothers, think about it. The sin of the rejection of the elders, it sealed their fate. It sealed the nation's fate. And, and if we put a little flesh and blood on it, you've got to know, man, that, that, that there, there's lingering effects of the evil that was affected just outside the walls of Jerusalem that day when they, when they crucified the Lord. And even though it was in the hands of, uh, uh, of his father, that all things were done according to his will, yet it was the most evil of things. From, from, from Judas being directly possessed by Satan himself, and from the very children of God who refused to accept the Messiah, who killed him and turned him over to the Roman government, who crucified him. And, and, and now we've got people making their way back home, and the lingering effects of this this most incredible thing. We know that when he cried out, Father, into thy hands, I commend my spirit, that, that we're told that there was an earthquake then and that the rocks split in half and that the Roman soldier, the hardened Roman soldier himself, when that happened, said, surely this must have been the Son of God. I mean, this was an intense thing. And so when Cleophas in verse 18 tells Jesus, even though he didn't know it was Jesus, he says, what, what, you, did you just show up today? I mean, you don't know what happened here? And and I, I I said all that to say what Jesus says next isn't isn't inquiring uh because he doesn't know. What does he say next, brother, in verse nineteen? When he tells him, Hey, you what are you, a stranger? You don't know what happened here? What does Jesus say in verse nineteen? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word and before God, 
and all the people. So the question he asks them after Cleophas tells them that is what things? What things have come to pass? Because that's what that's what Cleophas said. Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? Do you not know the things which are come to pass here in these days? And Jesus asks him, what things? <laughs> now, it's a powerful thing that he asked. Because in essence, what he was saying was, do you know what has actually come to pass here in these days? Right. Right? <laughs> You're asking me if I know, but I'm asking you what things to expose that you really don't know what came to pass here in these days. He says, what things? And we know what they said to him, right? The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth. And notice how they speak. Notice what they say, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and in word before God and all the people. He speaks about the Lord in the past tense. Right? Yes. And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet. He used to be. He's dead now, right? And then they go on and begin to tell him what happened. The chief priests, our rulers, delivered him to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. And listen to what they say here. But we, we trusted not we trust, but we trust it. Everything that they had hoped for, everything that they had believed as they're walking on this road, it's over now. I want to dig in a little bit there because, and just jump in anytime you want, but I mean, just just think about this. You've invested something in Christ. You've invested in Jesus thinking about him a certain way. And and now you you're completely disillusioned. You don't even know what you've been through. You don't understand it. You think one thing, but obviously it's something else that you hadn't thought of. And you're questioning your very sanity because of what they said. We trusted that it had been he that was going to redeem Israel. We believed he was the Messiah. We believed that he was the one who was going to throw off the shackles of Rome and reinstitute, reinstitute our, our, our glory that we had heard of in, in the days of David and Solomon. We, we thought this was the guy. <laughs> and so you're talking about two people that are incredibly psychologically and emotionally absolutely pulled apart in all directions when they're telling this story. This is what we thought. And that's why it's so profound what the master asked them. What has actually come to pass here? And they said, we thought in verse 21, we thought we had trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And then they testify. Uh, and besides all this, today is the third day since all these things were done. Uh, which is what we've been discussing. And so we had trusted that it was him that would redeem 
Israel. And as I was studying this, I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, and I'm just going to throw this little nugget out there, because this is a prophetic thing. This is something that if you dig into it and look at it as it pertains to end times, then what you begin to realize is like today in America's modern church, for example, they they don't understand the Lord's mission. He's speaking, but their eyes are closed. They don't recognize that God's talking to us, to this nation right now or to this time. Everything is turned upside down. The most precious thing the world has ever seen, Jesus of Nazareth, is being attacked and has been put to death <laughs> in their time, right? <laughs> but but now he's resurrected. And and what they trusted in, what did they say? They trusted in something that was completely not the gospel. They trusted in their own political identity, in their own desire to throw off the domination of Rome. That's what they said. Right? Verse 21? Yes. We trusted that there had been him that should have redeemed Israel. And why Jesus asked that question in verse 19 exposes that they really didn't understand anything at all. And 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 he draws near to them because I believe in many, many ways that, that, that they represent an end-time generation prior to his second appearing. And and what he's revealing here is their inability, one, to recognize him, even when he draws near. Two, to understand how it is that he is speaking to them and what it is that he's trying to expose to them. That though they lived in the most momentous, incredible, prophetic times, they had absolutely no clue what was really going on. Their eyes were closed, and they began to testify again, like we just read in 22 and 23 and 24, uh, what had happened. And they tell them the story. And when they get to the part when the disciples went and they went to the tomb in verse 24, they use those words, but they didn't see him there. And that's when the Lord begins to reveal himself in verse 25. What does he say? He basically rebukes them. What does he say in verse 25, Jeremy? Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Incredible. Now he's going to reveal himself to them. But he first rebukes them because what they testified out of their own mouth should have been enough to have convinced them that he had risen. He talks about how the women were there early in the, in the morning in verse 22. He then says that what they came and told us is that his body isn't there in verse 23. And then they said that they had seen a vision of angels <laughs> who told them that he's alive, right? And, and and they still didn't believe. 
and then he says that that certain of them which were with us in verse 24 that's peter and john right they go down to the sepulcher and they they didn't see his body there either but none of that testimony was enough because they said what they were looking for they were looking for a political king someone to overthrow Rome, and something far greater was going on. And Jesus breaks in the middle of this in verse 25, and he calls them fools. And he calls them slow of heart to believe. And he says, and not only that, but you're slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken all along. And then he begins in verse 26 and says, look, Jesus was supposed to suffer, or the Christ was supposed to suffer all these things, and then enter into his glory, which, by the way, he's just done. <laughs> right? Hallelujah. He's on, yes. He just got back from there. <laughs> oh, my Lord. And so, so what's really cool here is what, what, what he then does. What does he do, Brother Jeremy, in verse 27? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. My goodness. How'd you like to have been there on that day? Walking on the road and have, have Jesus preach the first sermon on the resurrection. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because we can get an insight, I think. And I just wrote down a few things this morning thinking about it because he starts, the Bible says, how he begins to bring them to himself is is he begins by at Moses, right? That's where he starts talking about himself. That's why I, I really ha I really marvel at these these pretending preachers today that preach nothing and let alone take us to the Old Testament. Right? They never want to preach out of the Old Testament. They always say, ah, that's the Old Covenant. Well, if it was good enough for Jesus, <laughs> if, uh, <laughs> he said that you're right. going to know the gospel by starting in the Old Covenant, starting in the Old Testament. He began at Moses. And as I was thinking, because when he says he began at Moses, to the Jewish mind, I mean, that that's the Torah. Whenever they say Moses, he started with the first five books of the Bible. That's where he started. And I wonder, because it says there that he began to expound, verse 27, unto them in all the scriptures, all the scriptures, the things that concerned himself. That's why you guys who have been following us, we always talk to you about that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And he starts at Moses, that's the first five books of the Bible, and, and all the scriptures, because remember, the New Testament hadn't been written yet, so all the scriptures was from Genesis to Malachi. And on that walk, he began to open them up and tell them about Christ, how he had to suffer, and how he had to enter into his glory. And as I began to think about that this morning, I thought, I wonder if he, if he took them over to Genesis, you know, chapter 3, and began to remind them of the promise that the father gave to Eve mm. and, and, and told, and, and, and I wonder if he began to talk about how that the, the, the enemy would have to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman and that how he would bruise his head. He began at Moses, right? I wonder mm -hmm. if he began to talk about Abel and Cain and how, Abel was a type of Christ who was killed by his brothers. 
just as the elders and the Pharisees had killed him and how Christ was killed by his own brothers. I wonder if he began to open the scriptures, because that's what they go on to say later is he opened the scriptures to us. I wonder if he mentioned in Genesis 22 how how Abraham bound his only son and put him on the altar and was getting ready to offer him to God. I wonder if he told him, I was that Isaac, right? Jesus was that Isaac. He is the ram in the bush that, that would become the offering for all mankind. And seeing as how Passover had just ended, I just know he started talking to them in Exodus 12 about the very first Passover where a spotless lamb would be offered and that blood would be shed and the doorposts would be hit, the lintel and the two side posts with the blood and when the destroyer would pass through, the children of Israel would be safe because the lamb had to be slain. We could go on and on, right? But then he mentioned the prophets, right? Verse 27, he began at Moses and all the prophets. And as I was thinking about that this day, I wonder I wonder if he quoted Isaiah 53, brothers. <laughs> uh, I wonder if he told them he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. I wonder if he quoted Isaiah. Or maybe he quoted Psalm twenty two. Mm. And and in there he would he would he would come to that place where he'd say, The bulls of Bashan have compassed me about and then he would say, And they pierced my hands and my feet. Psalm twenty two sixteen. Did he tell them how the cross pierced the hands and the feet of Jesus? Did he quote from the scriptures or what if he actually used the great Psalm 118 which is the great Passover Psalm that everybody in the entire city had just sang the day that Jesus was crucified turn over there so we can look at that so you know what I'm talking about Psalm 118 powerful because that's what they sang the day that Jesus was crucified and I wonder if he opened that up because that would be freshest in their mind And uh, take a look at what he he reveals here about himself. Because remember, he talks about entering into his glory too, right? So (laughs) Psalm 118, this is a psalm that is sung as the Passover lamb is slain in the temple. This song was being sung as Jesus was being nailed to the cross. And after he resurrected and he walked on that road with those two, beginning at Moses and all the prophets and all the scriptures. I wonder if he, if he, and I know he did, because this song, they all sang, and he begins to give light to them. In verse 18, he shows and reveals what he's about to reveal to them, that he's alive. Quote uh, verse 17 to us, would you? Psalm 118, verse 17. Yes. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. I wonder the if Lord he began to wait. I wonder if he began to point out and say, "Remember how he told you he was risen." You just told me those ladies came and told you 
that there was nobody at the tomb. You said that <laughs> there was two angels there telling you that he's not here, he's alive. And, and he's opening the scriptures to them. That's what he said. And you guys just sang Psalm 118 over the weekend. You remember that scripture in verse 17? He says, I shall not die, but I shall live. I wonder if you started preaching the resurrection. Why didn't you believe the women when they told you? Why didn't you believe the testimony of the angels? And he says he had to be crucified. That's what he was revealing, I think, in verse 18. What does he say? The Lord has cast in me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. My goodness. Was he revealing to them? Absolutely he was, because we just read it. Verse 22, he then begins to talk about how he was rejected of the elders, and it was meant to be. What does he say in verse 22, brother? The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. Verse 23. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Hallelujah. Verse 24. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Praise God. So he, he reveals that, that the stone which the builders rejected is is become the head of the corner, entered into his glory, right? And and when they would sing this song, they would culminate it by 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 singing verse twenty seven, which is incredible. What does it say, brother? God is the Lord, which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords even unto the horns of the altar. As they're tying that lamb up, which they would do every year, it was the ceremonial paschal lamb, and they would take that lamb and they would tie him to the altar where he would be slain. And this is what they would be singing. And they would say in verse 26 when that happens, right? What do they say in verse 26? Verse 26. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord, we have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. Praise God. So did he reveal these things? Absolutely. Beginning at Moses and all the prophets, and even this great Passover psalm, he began to expound these things and so many other things. He said all the scriptures, so I know he went through this one. <laughs> and I know he began to tell them those things. Did he reveal what Daniel the prophet said? Would you reveal... Read Daniel, Daniel the prophet, verse 26, Brother Jeremy. Verse 26. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. No, no, Daniel 9, verse 26. Oh, I'm sorry, Daniel 9. No worries, that's a good one to read again. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> All right, here we go. I was caught up in the moment right now. Amen. Says, uh, and after three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and the end thereof shall be with a flood. And unto the end of the war, desolations are determined. Did he take them to Daniel and reveal to them there what the prophet Daniel had said? Well, we know he did, because 
Daniel revealed that when Messiah would be revealed to Israel, that he would suffer and die. He'd be cut off, right? But not for himself. He's explaining what the mission and the purpose of the Lord Jesus Christ was. To Cleophas and to his wife Mary on their way to Emmaus. And and let's go back to Luke 24 because we could go over a whole bunch of other ones. But I wonder too, brothers, did he quote Psalm 24? <laughs> Lift up ye gates. Because he said he didn't he have to suffer and then enter into his glory? I wonder if he quoted yeah. Psalm 24 too, right? Lift up ye gates. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? He that is of a Hallelujah. pure heart, clean heart. Lift up ye gates. Who is this? It's the Lord of glory. The King of <laughs> King of glory shall come in. I, I don't know, man. But I know that by the he time... Had, he, he, had up, to, he had to have that ability. I mean, he's not limited anymore by, you know, the, <laughs> the, the body of you know, a, a flesh, so to speak. He's yeah. the resurrected Christ. Praise he is God. the Word. So he, yeah. he had no limitations. He was able to expound in such a way without limitations that just blew their mind, you know, to go through the whole Old Testament and just, he, I mean, just, you know, just, you just spitting out the Word of God. <laughs> you know, just kind of, <laughs> Yeah, the word in the word, man. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, that's why, that's yeah. again, verse 27. Are we back in Luke? I mean, yeah. verse 27. That's what we just went over, right? Beginning at Moses. He begins to yeah. expound to them Moses, all the prophets, all the scriptures concerning himself. Wow. And as they came, And as they came close to the village where they were going, he made like he was going to go on. He would have gone further. He actually like he was about to leave them. And what did they say in verse 29, Brother Jeremy? Oh, but they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is towards evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. Hallelujah. It's very interesting. They constrained him to stay. They went, you see, <laughs> the, he literally caused them to, to understand uh, and began to open the scriptures to them. It brought life back to them and hope. Yeah. And just the, just the few scriptures that we were expounding, he began to change their understanding, which was, which was erroneous doctrine. They had been taught that when Messiah came, that they, they was going to throw off the goyim, the Gentile nations of the world and that Israel would assume her glorious position as the leader of all nations with, with the son of David ruling on the throne from Jerusalem. That's what they had been taught, a political king. They weren't looking for God manifested in the flesh. They were looking for a seed of David. They were looking for a man who would become king, the anointed one of the Lord. Their doctrine was off. And so he opens the scriptures and says, no, this is what this is about. Do you really know what things happened here in Jerusalem? <laughs> That's what he asked us. <laughs> what things? Have you really thought about what things have happened here in Jerusalem? And so he just opens the scripture. And by the time they get close to the house where they were headed, he was just going to leave them. But they constrained him to stay. And understand it says that the day is far spent and it's toward the evening. 
and they asked him to stay. And, you know, like them, I was thinking about that this morning. I said, it's like that now. The, the day is far spent in our time. And I think what he's revealing here is that that in-time generation, will we ask him to abide with us? Those who do will have him with them as the night approaches. See, there's things and layers here, if you can see it, that are very parallel to the times that we're living in. There's a first coming and a second coming. And therefore, there are prophetic implications in the first appearance as there will be when he returns again. There was an understanding of the scriptures that has not been given. Oh, man, listen, (laughs) that will be given an opening of the word so that we can understand. Their doctrine was off. Their understanding of how things were going to play out. They said it. We had trusted. We had believed. It was going to be this way. And so because of that, though he was near them, and though he was revealing himself, and though he was speaking to them, they didn't recognize him. But once he began to reveal himself in the word, and that's why it is so preeminent right now that we go to the word. That's what we've been doing these almost five months now. We've been digging into the word by the grace of the spirit of God, because he's trying to open the scriptures. He's trying to get us to understand that the day is far spent and the evening is upon us. And if we want him to be with us, he'll just pass you by brother, but you better grab a hold of him and say, don't go anywhere. Stay with us. Yes. Hallelujah. Some of you haven't felt his presence. Some of you haven't sensed the burning of your heart like they would go on to testify in a minute, you know, in a long time. But suddenly you're finding yourself coming alive by the word of God in all the different ways that he's beginning to reveal himself. And when that happens to you, you don't want to let him go. And they didn't. And so he came. And what's cool? Yes. No, uh, it's interesting because in verse 16, the Bible says that their eyes were holding that they should not know him. And what I'm understanding is that Jesus was not interested interested in them recognizing, oh, it's Jesus, oh, it's you, you know. But as he began to expand on the word of God from Moses, through the prophets, he wanted them, he, he was, something was igniting in their spirit until they came to, to the, you know, to the, to the, to the place where they recognize him by his word. And I say this yes. because we live in a time today where much, much um, focus, I'm talking about today, the days that we live here, much focus is on manifestations of this, of that, of this, and well, I believe that God manifests himself in different ways. That's the focus, and it's not the word of God. Right. And it's not, and it's not you know, I, I know a preacher not by all the stunts and the things he claims to do, but by the word that he preaches. <laughs> That's good. By the, word of, by the word of God. 
and see, and, and that's how you shall know a true man of God is by the by the word that he preaches. Jesus again was not; it, it was done intentionally. He wasn't interested in him them recognizing him, but to know him through his word. And, and you know, I just wanted to bring that little point out. That's good. That's very good, and and that's that is uh, very much what what's what's being expressed there. You know, amongst the other thing, you know, but but in, in its truest sense, is it, it, just that, you know, and and what we learn from that, uh, and that's one level that you're talking about there that that we can glean truth from, and it's a profound thing to stay, because as you're you're right, what's taking place right now, especially in the American church, is everybody's all about words of knowledge, signs and wonders, and all this stuff that they're looking for, but what did Jesus say? He said, it's an evil and an idolatrous or adulterous generation that seeks after a sign. Yeah. Right? And, 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 and how he chose in his resurrected state to come alongside these people was not, was not to make himself known uh, by showing them the sign first, right? It was to take them to the word because that's where he wants to be revealed. Remember what he said earlier in John's Gospel in chapter 6? You know, search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life. He said, but the truth is, it is the scriptures that are testifying of me. My word, they are spirit and truth. And so when they compel him to stay in, it is now that he does something different. Can you read verse 30 and 31, brother? Yes. And it came to pass as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them and their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight praise god so when were their eyes actually opened so they knew him it was when he repeated what he did at the passover which was representative of the new testament right which was sealed in, in, in this is my body which has been given for you you know, so what we see in, in the Lord's revelation of himself is he takes them first to the Old Testament and begins to reveal to them how that Christ was concealed in the Old Testament. But it's not until he breaks bread, symbolically performing the new covenant, and, and they partake of that, that their eyes open because the New Testament is Christ revealed, Right? In the Old Testament, he's concealed. In the New Testament, the breaking of the bread, their eyes are open. He's revealed. And he vanishes out of their sight. Now, their eyes were open. They knew him. He vanishes out of their sight. Now, read verse 32 and 33, Brother Jeremy, would you? And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered and then that and them that were with them. Yeah. So what did they do? They turned around. <laughs> they just seen him. They turned around and now We probably have just the faintest hint of light left as the day begins to to turn to night, and they return to Jerusalem. 
and, and they came to the room, which is where we'll pick it up tomorrow because he's about to manifest himself to all of them. And he's going to do some things when he does that are absolutely astounding. Notice that it says in verse 33, they rose up the same hour, they returned to Jerusalem, they found the 11 gathered together and them that were with them, the 11. So what this is revealing to us, and we'll look at this deeper tomorrow, is that Thomas was there. But when Jesus makes his appearance, as we'll see tomorrow, Thomas isn't there. And we'll talk about why that is uh, in the in the next podcast, either tomorrow or Friday, probably Friday when we deal exclusively with Thomas. But I want to show you something of how the scripture reveals to us that the conversation got to be way too much for Thomas. <laughs> because he goes on to testify later, right? Unless I see the nails or, or the nails pierced his hand and put my hand in his side, I ain't going to believe nothing you guys are telling me. Something happened where he said, I've had enough of this. And he left the room. He started in the room, but he left the room. He couldn't take that leap, even though Mary and Cleophas had come back, even though we know that Simon had had an appearance of him, even though that all this had been happening. John says, I believe the hope has risen in the room, but this is all too much for Thomas because when Jesus shows up, he's not there. And we'll talk about that. But as we close today, I want to show you something else that's hidden here. Something else that Jesus was doing that was very subtle and can really only be revealed by the Spirit of God, but it's there if we can see it. Remember, there were two appearances. One was to Mary Magdala, right? In the garden, Mary Magdalene. He appeared to Mary. The next appearance was to another Mary and her husband Cleophas, a man and a woman. It's very interesting that this is how Jesus chose to reveal himself. Because really what he's doing is restoring everything that had been destroyed in the beginning. The parallels are striking if we look at it. Remember this. After Adam and Eve sinned, what did, what did they hear first? You remember? They heard the voice of the Lord. Remember? They heard the voice yes. of the Lord walking in the garden. So the very first thing that we hear after Jesus has risen from the dead in the garden is his voice, right? Isn't that what Mary said? She heard his voice and she recognized him. Remember, Eve was the first one who sinned in the garden. So it's very appropriate that the Lord appears to Mary and she hears his voice, just like they heard his voice in the garden. He's restoring all things. He restores the voice first. The next thing that happens, if you remember, is the Bible says after they fell, right, that the Lord comes when? In the cool of the day. <laughs> Which means that it was late afternoon. That's the cool of the day. If you go back and look, it's, it's when the sun is setting. It's when it's not up at its highest level no more. It's at the cool of the day. 
And when Jesus came on the road of Emmaus, it was late afternoon. It was in the cool of the day. Oh, I don't know if you can handle this. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He comes to Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Jesus is restoring all things. He comes to Cleophas and Mary in the cool of the day, late afternoon. He does the same thing his father did. And remember, Adam and Eve were not any longer in the garden, which is where the tree of life was and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When the Lord comes, it says that they were in the trees of the garden, which was they had removed themselves from that position and went out into the trees and, and the outer part of the garden. That's why the Bible reveals to us here that they had left Jerusalem which is a type of the center of the garden. Jerusalem is the center of all things. The center of the garden is where the tree of life is. The temple is in, the, is in Jerusalem. It sits on the mountain. But we see them now outside the city. They've left not necessarily the domain of Jerusalem itself, but where the temple is. They've left the gates, and they're headed out of the city on their way to, to the outer place of Emmaus. So in the essence, they're out in the outer part of Jerusalem. They're no longer in the center. They're outside. And that's where Adam and Eve were when the Lord came in the cool of the day and came alongside them. And what's interesting is Jesus does the same thing. They've left Jerusalem, which really is a type of the Garden of Eden, the center of it, because that's where God placed his name. And 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 as as he comes to Adam and Eve when they're uh, out in the outer part of the garden amongst the trees— he he comes and he begins to ask them questions, right? Adam, where are you? It's the same kind of thing that Jesus asked Cleophas. What things have happened? God asked Adam, where are you? It wasn't that Adam didn't, I mean, that God didn't know where Adam was. He was trying to get Adam to figure out where he was. What have you done? Where are you? In other words, and Jesus says, what things? In other words, do you really know what happened here today? I'm going to tell you what happened here is what he goes on to say when he reveals them to the scriptures. But Adam and Eve, they're no longer in the heart of the garden, but they're amongst the trees. And Cleophas and Mary, uh, they're on the outside of Jerusalem, headed away from the center where the presence of God is. And, uh, and, and that's where Jesus comes and begins to ask them questions just like his father does. What's interesting is that I believe the name Cleophas means renowned father. Can you guys look that up real quick? Yeah, it does mean that, but I'll, I'll confirm. Luke 24. Here we go. All right, let me see. It means, yeah, of a, of a renowned father. Yes. A renowned Very father. Interesting. So a father of renown or of a renowned father, right? So in, in, he's almost like a type of Adam, you know, the original father of us all. And, and Mary is, is like a, a Eve, you know. I mean, they're, they're being restored. It's why he first mm-hmm. appears to the woman, because she was the first one who was beguiled. He, he he restores the right. voice. The next time he appears, he appears to both of them. That's the father walking in, in the garden. 
That's Jesus walking uh, outside uh, where the trees are, and he joins them alongside. The Father came in the cool of the day. Jesus comes as the sun's going down in the cool of the day. The Father asked questions of Adam. Jesus asked questions of this renowned Father, this Cleophas. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But remember, their eyes were closed by sin. Cleophas and, and Mary's eyes were closed. Because the devil's been defeated now, right? So Jesus gives them something else to eat. And when he gives them something to eat, what happens? What does it say? Their eyes were opened. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory to God. Jesus restored all things. He brought us back to that place where now... We have right to the tree of life again. He is that tree of life. When he breaks the bread, he doesn't give them the cup, so to speak, because it's very symbolic. He had poured out his blood for the sins of all of us. And so symbolically, he was saying, now come eat of the bread of life. And when you do, your eyes will be opened. Hallelujah. That's what happened to them. Their eyes were opened. And when they were, they went to go tell their brothers, we've seen him. He's alive. And that's where we'll pick it up tomorrow because as the day closes, they're all in the room together again. Everybody's talking about what just happened in this long day we've been talking about. And Jesus appears in their midst and says, peace be unto you. And we're going to talk about those things tomorrow as we conclude the first day. Of the resurrection. Can you say amen? The road to a man. You know, uh, I'm always fascinated. You know, in the beginning of Genesis, God tells man, uh, don't eat of the tree. And they do the opposite and they eat of it. Now he's beckoning us to eat of the tree and few are eating. You know, man is always in contention. with God, but what a tremendous, uh, powerful revelation. Um, Jesus expanded on the words there, there, on the word from Moses to the prophets uh, and all the scriptures concerning himself. Powerful. Just the way thing, the way that God does things. Amen. We pray that you've been blessed today with the teaching of his word. I know uh, we've been blessed today and uh, we pray that you join us tomorrow and uh, continue to tell others about these studies, about these Bible studies, about this uh, these studies that God has given us concerning the Word of God and, and how we're looking at them from a prophetic lens. So we pray that you've been blessed. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you and keep looking up.